Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Today's story is about listening. Listening to the tales that are out there. The ones waiting to be told if we can just tune in long enough to hear them. It's a story about setting off without a destination in sight. A journey of discovery. So there's lots of places we could start. We could start with Melvin, or Chris, or Diane. But we're starting here, with Agnes. This is The Tip-Off. Good morning, everybody. Agnes again. Agnes has opinions. Lots of them. She practices yoga, lives alone in Scotland, and she has dementia. Agnes has stories to tell, but no way to tell them. Enter Paul. I'm Paul Miles, and I'm head of editorial at On Our Radar. Paul's a journalist with a difference. He works for an organisation called On Our Radar. On Our Radar specialises in gathering stories from some of the most remote and marginalised communities, reporting on their own stories in their own words and in their own time. The group have done some amazing projects in the past, training citizen journalists in countries like Sierra Leone and Nigeria. They give members of the community journalistic training and set up tech systems to allow them to report, for example by filing short stories using SMS text messages. But more recently, the team has decided to work on something a bit closer to home. They chose to focus on the issue of dementia in the UK. But how do you do that? Paul started with more questions than answers. To be honest, it was, it was a sort of daunting task to think about how, how to design a, a solution and how to, even things like how to do consent and how to um, find an appropriate technology and how to um, support and mentor these people to believe that their stories were, were important and interesting. And he was in no way an expert, far from it. I really didn't know that much about the condition. But he had the nugget of an idea. He knew he wanted to get as many people up and able to report on their own conditions as possible. So he looked around and he found a set of support groups for people living with the condition. And so he set off travelling to Bedford, London, Liverpool, Stockport, Glasgow. What was interesting for us about this opportunity is that all of these groups around the country already existed and were already talking about dementia and sharing their own stories. What was lacking that was that it wasn't being captured. The challenge for us became how do we design a project which will allow people with dementia 
to share their own stories and for us to be able to take those stories and share them with the wider public to, to improve understanding of the condition. So he's talking to people at these groups and beginning to get an idea of what they would need to report. And it turns out the solution was some pretty simple technology. So we ended up designing a 3D printed phone, which a company called OwnPhone made for us, um, which was designed to be as simple as possible to use. It just has one button on it, which says report. And so that meant that even people who were a bit further along with their dementia, or even people who really struggled with technology, the barrier to entry would be as low as possible, that they just had to press one button. And then we realized that people of this generation are, are very familiar with leaving an answer phone message. So when we press, when they press that button, they would get straight through to a sort of Dementia Diaries reporting line answer phone, which would say, hi, this is Dementia Diaries, please leave your story after the beep. And then after that, they would record um, audio. So the team get these phones designed. They're made using 3D printers. And soon, Paul has a load of new shiny equipment in his London office. But now he needs to get people on board. So he heads off back around the country, setting up workshops and telling people about the systems. It was around then that Agnes first heard of the plan. I think Paul contacted me, told me about it, and I said, yes, I would love this. So that's, I think, Paul himself contacted me. And do you, I mean, what, what were you thinking at that time? Did you have any idea what it would involve? No, I didn't. And... Um, I don't even know if Paul and them had a concrete idea of what it was going to be about. Agnes remembers first getting that specialised reporting phone. It was oblong and it was just two buttons, I think I remember, just to use it. And you could hang it round your neck and have it when you were going out walking and that. Paul passed on the phone to Agnes and then carried on, handing out phones to dozens of people all across the country. At this stage, he had no idea if the project would work, if anyone would use the equipment, and if and what the story would be at the end of it all. It was a moment of faith, and there was nothing to do but wait. And then... Hello, this is Radar's one support line. To record your report, please wait for me and then leave a message. Bye. Hi, it's Agnes here. Hello. Paul from Liverpool here. Just reporting then. Hello, it's Melvin here. Um, hi everybody. My first dementia diary for the The first messages started to arrive. To see those first reports come in and to see the system working was, was really exciting. The way people were using the reporting project varied. Some reported more than others. You had some who you wouldn't hear from for a few weeks and They'd be going about their daily life, but then something would happen. They'd have an interaction in the street or they'd hear something in the news or something would get their goat or they'd do something they were really proud of and they'd deliver a very timely and um, well thought out and powerful report and, and then maybe go quiet again for a few more weeks. Whereas um, some one guy in particular would report sometimes up to five times a day just really keeping a diary of what he was up to and what he was feeling and what he was thinking and it was very much off the cuff and that meant we had to try and work with him to try and make him understand what 
what was kind of relevant to the project and what was interesting. But actually, in a way, it was better to get more and to be able to sift through it because it was that completely off the cuff, sort of spontaneous, angry, proud, powerful report, which, you know, which, which became the most powerful and interesting ones. Agnes took to it like a duck to water. She was soon filing regular reports, giving insights into her daily struggles and triumphs with dementia. Things like this. Good morning, everybody. Agnes again. Um, I've had another chest infection again, which has laid me pretty low. I wanted to talk about the changes in my sleeping pattern. Um, something strange has been happening to me over the last four months, five months. Well, yes, I get fatigue, and yes, um, I'm having to still rest. But I'm waking up so early in the morning. Another time, Agnes reported on how frustrating it was to lose some of her cooking abilities. Good morning, my dementia diary friends. Um, it's Agnes here from Scotland. Things are happening, things are changing. I don't know where to take these changes. Anyway, my abilities to be able to cook are slowly, steadily, maybe not slowly, but more steadily um, diminishing. So I'm eating out more, being hungry more, being frightened more. You know, there's a lot more to dementia-friendly communities. There's a lot more to keeping people with dementia at home. I wish the government, the experts, as they are like, like to be called, would just listen and learn and put things in to help us stay at home. My Dementia Diary friends, if you have any suggestions out there, please get in touch with me. I'm on Facebook. Thank you. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We've been hearing from Agnes, one of the participants of Dementia Diaries. I wanted to find out a bit more, so I called her up to ask how it was taking part. Hello? Hello, is that Agnes? Yes. She told me how the system had allowed her to report on things openly and honestly, while she was still in the moment. It's immediate. That's why... Sometimes it comes across with passion and intensity and that. Whereas if you're writing something or you wait and you reflect on it, you tidy it up, you do all these kind of, I don't know, cleansing. And, but it, it, it's not quite as passionate as true as when it's real live. I suppose it's the difference from live reporting and something that's recorded and tidied up for television or something like that. Hundreds of miles away, Paul was sat listening through all the messages. And he was often struck by the same thing, that people were using the system to call in their stories as and when they were happening to them. He was touched by the honesty with which people were reporting, like the stories from Melvin, who would talk about just how much his wife meant to him. Yeah, I mean, you'd have beautifully sweet moments where, I mean, I remember one which really touched me at the beginning, where he just picked up the phone and just decided to talk about all the different ways in which his wife helps him and how he's so lucky to have his wife and he's so proud and without her he'd be nothing and it was you know from a guy who you didn't expect to be the most emotional man um and so so that was you know that was really powerful and that really struck me and there were also some reports where people felt really down and had a really difficult day and just felt they were kind of treading through mud and you know that was could be really sad and emotional and, and and hard to hear as well the stories he was getting were both bad moments and good it was all a rich tapestry and putting it all together revealed a much deeper understanding of the challenges of living with the illness and another thing which came up was this 
misconception, I guess, that dementia is just about memory loss. And actually, there are lots of different types of dementia and they affect lots of different parts of the brain. And there are so many other symptoms which we don't really know about. And so to get reports in about people hallucinating when they look at their bathroom tiles or um, having difficulty putting their bra on because they can't quite sequence events correctly or even to hear a couple of people saying that they felt they'd been more creative in their one in his painting and one in his music and songwriting since dementia as a kind of side effect those reports were really interesting as well because you you know you kept on hearing about these these symptoms and their effects on everyday life which you'd never thought of and if I'd have just approached it as a journalist asking the questions I wouldn't wouldn't have even necessarily asked about. See, that's the crux of what makes this investigation different. Normally, if you want to go out and do a deep dive into a topic, a journalist might read around official reports and papers and draw up a list of questions that you want answering. It's like getting a hypothesis that you'll then go away and challenge or test. But On Our Radar hadn't done that. They'd set up a phone line, guided people to it, and then simply let the stories come in in whatever way they happened to arrive. And so they heard about Agnes struggling with cooking or talking about the pleasures of yoga. They heard about the daily exercise routines of Melvin and how he would struggle with making tea for his wife. Or about the love of music of another guy called Paul. And the reports were revealing people living well with dementia, pushing themselves. It would amaze me to hear the reports coming through of one who's just been driving a tank and one who's just played a gig in a pub in Liverpool and one who's just started a yoga class and one who's flying off to Australia and stuff. And, you know, so that was, to hear that, you know, really challenged some of my own sort of preconceptions. Day by day, the reports kept coming in. But in that time, we received over 2,000 reports from about 40 participants. So a lot of, a lot of content and, you know, a lot of sort of listening and sifting through. And keeping track of them all was a tough job. Yeah, so we... We listened to them all on the dashboard as of when they came in and we had a massive, massive Google spreadsheet with a massive sort of dashboard about all the reports that came in. And as I said, over 2,000 came in in the end. And so in the spreadsheet, we'd log when it came in, who reported it, and we'd give it a category based on the themes which came up most often. And we would write a a short summary of what it was about. So if it was about diagnosis and diagnosis day, then we'd write something about that, which meant that if we were later looking to do a piece on diagnosis and wanted to piece together different stories, it was easy just to sort of search within the spreadsheet for, for keywords and, and key terms. With so many fascinating stories coming in all the time, the team decided they needed a way to showcase them all. We decided to build our own microsite and our own Twitter feed um, because we wanted a first website and a first Twitter feed which was led entirely by people with dementia. So we we would upload them onto this microsite and, and share them on social media. And what we, what we learned as the project went on was that this site and this Twitter feed was becoming a really important resource, A, for people with dementia or their families, but it also was being used a lot by universities, researchers, other journalists looking at dementia because with 40 participants it really gave a 360 view of dementia, lots of different perspectives. It kind of became a home where 
you could get first person stories from people with dementia about about their daily lives. So beyond telling the outside world about the experience of living with the condition, the site also created something of a conversation between people with the illness. They would respond to each other and share insights and helpful tips or words of encouragement. And while the plan had always been to put out as honest an account as possible, the team did work to ensure that nothing was published that could endanger or later embarrass the person. So the team would regularly go back to the participants, checking with them if they were still happy to put out their stories. Agnes recalls how safe she felt when posting. They're very aware of that you could, with dementia, sometimes you think, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. If you've said something and um, they will maybe wait and phone you up and say, have you listened? Do you want this to be public or do you want us to keep it in a quiet domain? So it's not they didn't say it, but it's not been made public. So you might have been, maybe it's a death or a bereavement or something like that. So, so you know you're being protected by them, which is another thing which is amazing. But living with dementia is an ever-evolving experience. And as the sand shifted below the feet of the participants, Paul made sure he worked to keep as many people engaged as possible. Agnes started struggling with the handset, so Paul made sure she could keep reporting in another way. As my dementia got more, um, I don't know, confusing, um, and my retention of stuff was getting less, um, I kept forgetting to charge it up, and I kept forgetting all sorts of issues. So um, Paul then gave me a number that we got put into my phone, so I just pressed the number and then just spoke into the phone um, just the same as I would do recording what I wanted to report about. Dementia diaries evolved with the people and as long, so they weren't rigid in how they done things, they evolved, listened, took action and involved and kept us recording and being reporters and I'm still reporting now. In the end, the team published a series of important stories, giving insights into life with dementia. They published two pieces with BuzzFeed, one about inspiring tales of people with the condition, the other about unexpected symptoms. And then there were also articles in The Telegraph and The Mirror. But then we also did pieces directly with the audio, so we cut some videos using the audio for, for Sky News and, and put that out on television. Another short film, including Agnes's story, was used by The Guardian online. It was a brave project. There was a lot of time and effort put in, but in those early days, Paul and the team had no idea what they would get back, whether there would even be a story there at all. Yeah, it was, it was different for me and it felt brave, but ultimately I think that the results were so much more interesting because of it, that we went into these workshops simply with questions about what is dementia and what does it mean to you and what do people misunderstand about dementia and how do you want to change public perceptions about dementia, what really pisses you off with the way people talk about dementia. And I felt by doing that you just got so much surprising stuff that you wouldn't normally get. You know, I think often you'd sort of do your desk research and pick three themes that you seem to have come across quite often and then 
go ahead and try and find characters that that match their themes. But to start with this kind of open question was um, was nerve wracking at first. But ultimately, I think that the stories we got were so surprising and so raw and so intimate and so wide ranging because we didn't have these preset kind of questions that we were determined to follow. The Dementia Diaries project continues today. It's now being run by a group called Innovations in Dementia, with funding from Comic Relief and the Big Lottery Fund. You can find the website with all the diarist stories, including Agnes's, at DementiaDiaries.org. And if you have some spare time, you can volunteer to help transcribe some of the recent recordings. For those like Agnes, the project has given an opportunity to get their stories out there. I felt privileged and pleased to have been there from the beginning and to to actually experience it as it's been evolving. And remember, as Dementia if Diaries have evolved into this wonderful project um, now, my dementia and my abilities have diminished, but I'm still reporting. I think that is so important. Without Dementia Diaries, I, my voice wouldn't be getting heard. And that saddens me, because I still have a voice. That's all for this episode of The Tip-Off. Listen to more of Agnes's and other people's stories at DementiaDiaries.org and check out the rest of On Our Radar's innovative work at OnOurRadar.org. The Tip-Off is hosted and produced by me, Maeve McClennigan. Our theme music is by Dice Muse and other music in this episode by Lee Rossaveri. Next time. She quite clearly said to me at one point, Oh God, is this the end? I said, no, no, Miss Ellie, of course it's not. And I think those virtually the last words she ever uttered. A personal tragedy sets Alistair Jackson off on a journey of discovery, looking into sepsis in hospitals across the UK. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.